0: You're listening to
1: PetLifeRadio.com. It's Friday, June 8th, 2012. Canine Nation is a regular feature column that runs on the Life is a Human online magazine. Life is a Human features articles about what it means to be human the good, the bad, and the enlightening. This column explores what it means to be human in our relationship with dogs. You can find it at lifeasahuman.com. To get directly to Canine Nation, go to caninenation.lifeisahuman.com. A complete archive of all the Canine Nation articles can be found there. Hi, I'm Eric Brad. Canine Nation is about learning, learning, understanding, and living successfully with our dogs. Modern animal training techniques based on behavioral science can produce amazing results in working with our dogs. Whether your dog is a loved family member or a working dog, a canine athlete, or a trusted companion, positive training techniques based on science can help you enjoy a more productive and fun relationship with your dog. Join us as we explore the many facets of living with our dogs and taking a fresh look at how we work with them. Whether it's taking a closer look at everyday issues we share with our dogs, or busting long-standing myths about training and dog behavior, I hope you find something useful in each of the Canine Nation articles. We're glad you're with us. Sit. Stay. We'll be right back after a short pause. Well, four to be exact.
0: Petco. Where the pets go. choose from over 100,000 titles. To get this great deal, go to audibledeals.com. That's audibledeals.com. Let's Talk
1: Pets on PetLifeRadio.com. Bad Dog. Handling Problem Behaviors. Dog trainers can, and frequently do, Debate which techniques for teaching a dog to do a specific behavior is the most effective. There is some flexibility in how we teach our dogs to do something new. But what about those cases where our dog is doing something we don't want them to do? What training methods or techniques are available for dealing with those cases and how do we choose? I've been talking a lot lately in this column about how we go about training our dogs. Does it really matter which approach we use to get the behaviors we want from our dogs? My personal experience says it does matter, and I'm not alone in that opinion. Many dog and animal behavior experts have made the same case. Some training methods produce more well-adjusted animals than others do. When something catches fire, we just react. We don't debate, we don't consider. We just move to put out the fire with whatever comes to hand. For many dog owners, that's how they deal with problem behaviors as well. When a dog growls at a child or barks unexpectedly at a guest, they just react to stop the behavior. Bad dog is yelled out to interrupt whatever is going on. It can be more or less effective depending on the situation. The point is, we resort to the most convenient action to stop the behavior in the moment. We might grab the dog's collar give them a smack on the rump or the nose, pull up on the leash, etc. But this isn't exactly like putting out a fire. In the case of our dog, something caused them to exhibit that behavior and the correction of the moment might not be effective. Like throwing water on a grease fire in the kitchen, it might make the situation worse. Just like dealing with fires, there are different ways to approach dealing with bad behaviors in our dogs. It might be worth considering a few different techniques instead of relying on our one-size-fits-all reflexive reaction to FIDO's unwanted behavior. There are some systematic principles all of us learn about fires. Smothering with blankets, baking soda for grease fires, soaking the surrounding areas to prevent the spread of fires, etc. There are some protocols that we can borrow from another well-known field. Applied Behavior Analysis offers us some useful approaches for dealing with problem behaviors. Applied Behavioral Analysis is being used today in programs for the mentally challenged, autism disorders, and even in mainstream primary and secondary schools. The goal of such programs is to provide effective methods for dealing with problem behaviors to allow learning to take place. It has been remarkably successful. So, it should not be surprising that positive training techniques like mark and reward or clicker training for our dogs are based on these same behavior analysis principles. And they can be equally successful at dealing with problem behaviors as they are in teaching new behaviors to our dogs. Dr. Susan Friedman is a psychology professor at Utah State University who has pioneered the application of applied behavior analysis to captive and companion animals. In an article for the Association of Pet Dog Trainers Journal in 2010, Dr. Friedman discusses the intrusiveness of various training and behavior management methods. She cites research done in behavior analysis that shows that the least intrusive procedures are the most effective for promoting learning. The principles on which she bases her article refer to research done in human schools and a hierarchy of intrusiveness presented by Paul Alberto and Anne Troutman in their book Applied Behavior Analysis for Teachers. Dr. Friedman expands this hierarchy into an effective model for dealing with problem behavior in our dogs. Read from top to bottom, the diagram provided in the show notes represents a series of approaches to problem behaviors from first resort to to last resort. Unwanted or inappropriate behaviors will happen in our lives with our dogs. Some of those will occur because the dog does not know any better or has not been taught alternative behaviors. Other times, inappropriate behaviors can show up almost mysteriously. Friedman's hierarchy provides a simple, easy-to-use protocol for dealing with unwanted behaviors from growling, to pulling on leash, to barking. Here then, are the layers of Dr. Friedman's hierarchy from first resort through last resort. Medical, nutritional, or physical causes Many inappropriate behaviors our dogs exhibit can be the result of real physical problems. A dog in pain or physical distress may be much more likely to show aggressive or defensive behavior. They are ill and wish to be left alone or at least not be touched in certain areas. Before taking any other action to correct behavior, first, make sure that it isn't any medical or physical cause that may be triggering it. A trip to your veterinarian or health provider should quickly determine if this is the cause of your dog's unwanted behavior. Second, antecedent arrangements. This is just fancy language for the situation the dog is in when it exhibits an unwanted behavior. My dog could be frightened of men in hats or small children, or even loud noises. Under those circumstances, she might be more likely to display aggressive or other inappropriate behavior out of fear. So the next step for me under this hierarchy is to look at what I can change in my dog's environment in order to change her behavior. Can I put more distance between us and the disturbing object? If being too near an activity causes my dog to become overexcited, perhaps I can move back to a safer distance. Similarly, if my dog is annoying me by stealing food off my counters, well, I guess I should stop leaving food on my counters. Third, positive reinforcement. Rather than allowing my dog to decide what she would like to do in a given situation where an unwanted behavior develops, can I teach her to perform a behavior of my choosing using positive reinforcement? Ideally, this is a proactive step taken when the dog first encounters a potentially troublesome situation. For example, if my dog exhibits a preference to nip at the pant legs of family members as a puppy, I can use positive reinforcement to teach her an alternative behavior, such as picking up a toy, which would be more acceptable to everyone. Number four, differential reinforcement of alternate behaviors. This is similar to positive reinforcement, except that I may be working with an already established unwanted behavior. The concept of differential reinforcement means that I will reinforce my dog for an alternate behavior at a higher level than she is reinforced for the unwanted behavior. At that point, the choice should become obvious for the dog. If my dog barks out the window when she sees the mail carrier, I could train her to come to me for a food treat when she sees the mail carrier. In this case, the mail carrier now becomes a signal that coming to me for a treat will pay off. In a short time. My dog will become more reinforced by coming to me after seeing the mail carrier than standing at the window and barking. Number 5. Extinction, Negative Punishment, and Negative Reinforcement Each of these approaches to behavior change has a fairly high degree of complexity in order to implement them correctly. Extinction involves providing no reinforcement whatsoever for an unwanted behavior. This can be difficult, especially if the behavior is caused by fear and the behavior itself provides some level of stress relief. That said, if the dog does not have the opportunity to engage in the unwanted behavior, that is, they are not exposed to the thing that triggers the behavior, it is possible that the behavior will become extinct. Both negative reinforcement and negative punishment involve the removal of something in order to change behavior. Negative reinforcement seeks to increase a preferred behavior by removing something unwanted by the dog when the desired behavior is performed. Negative punishment targets the unwanted behavior and seeks to decrease it by removing something the dog wants or values food, companionship, security, etc. And finally, positive punishment. This approach should be familiar. It involves targeting the unwanted behavior by adding something the dog doesn't want or like when the unwanted behavior occurs. This could be a tug on the leash, physically pushing or hitting the dog, yelling at the dog, or making threatening gestures to get them to stop doing the unwanted behavior. In Friedman's hierarchy, this type of behavior modification is considered the most intrusive and therefore the least ideal for teaching the dog. It may learn not to do the behavior, but it may be learning to stop the behavior as a way of avoiding the punishment and nothing more. If we are not able to be there to deliver that punishment, there is nothing keeping the dog from doing the unwanted behavior when we are not around. So, like putting out a fire, often a dog owner's first response to a problem behavior is to stop that behavior as quickly as possible. All too frequently, the method used is positive punishment, Dr. Friedman's last resort in her intrusiveness hierarchy. It may not be the best choice for solving behavior long-term, But in the immediate situation, it will very often produce the desired effect. Startling, surprising, or otherwise interrupting the dog in the act of an unwanted behavior can give the illusion that we have corrected the behavior. But all we have done is deter the outward behavior without giving the dog any instruction as to what other behavior we would prefer. We have done nothing to improve the dog's situation and, by introducing punishment, we may even add to their stress or arousal. When we were young, our first response to our clothing catching fire might be to run and hope the wind would put it out, but we are quickly taught that the best procedure in this case is to stop, drop to the ground, and roll to put out the flames. It is a more involved solution that might not come to mind if we are not taught the effectiveness of doing it that way. Similarly, I think most dog owners are prone to reacting without much thought as to what the most effective approach would be for an unwanted behavior. If dog owners understood Dr. Friedman's hierarchy, they might be able to quickly employ a more effective and longer-term solution to behavior problems. All too often, dog owners and dog trainers alike will use the reasoning that something needs to be done and it needs to be done fast to stop unwanted behavior. Unfortunately, that something is usually the punishment that Dr. Friedman reserves as a last resort. When a dog owner asks me, what else can I do in defense of using punishment to stop unwanted behavior, I know from the basics of applied behavior analysis that there is plenty that can be tried before resorting to punishment. Dr. Friedman's hierarchy provides an excellent, easy-to-understand framework for solving behavior problems. Although many of these steps are not as dramatic as the most invasive punishment-based solution, they employ techniques that have been proven to produce longer-lasting and more effective behavior changes in our dogs. So, although poking, startling, and kicking at the dog might make for good TV, it doesn't necessarily make for good solutions to behavior problems. Using the wrong training method on problem behaviors can be like throwing gasoline on a fire. Using physical force on an unwell dog is a good way to get injured. So, like the stop, drop, and roll we were taught in response to fires, Dr. Friedman's hierarchy gives us guidance for handling problem behaviors without the risk of creating bigger ones. And isn't it better to be proactive rather than reactive when it comes to our dog's welfare? Until next time, have fun with your dogs. I hope you enjoyed this edition of Canine Nation. You can find the text version of it at caninenation.lifeisahuman.com. You can join our discussion about dogs and dog training on Facebook. Just search for Canine Nation to get to our group. You can ask for membership and we'll add you to our growing family. If you can spread the word about the podcast or link to our caninenation.lifeisahuman.com page, we would certainly appreciate it. That's it for now. Thanks for listening.
0: Let's Talk Pets, every week on demand, only on PetLifeRadio.com.